Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. My name is Gareth Oliver. Thank you for joining me again this week, the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. Of course, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you, your family, and our community. This week, I'm speaking with the team behind One Red Tree, which is operating across Ararat and Stall, Carly McKinnis, who is the Clinical Director of Psychology, and Tammy Meehan, who's the Education Director. Carly and Tammy have noticed, especially during the pandemic, that our youth, our young people, our kids, primary school age kids, have really been suffering, both mentally, emotionally, and socially, and have decided to start working in schools from this clinical psychology type point of view. And that's where One Red Tree has come about. So they're working currently across four schools in Ararat and Stall. I had a chat to them about the genesis of One Red Tree, where it all came from, how they saw the need and, and how they're answering the need. It's, it's a really great thing for our communities, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. This is, of course, the Communities of Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grandpins Community Health, for you, your family, and most importantly of all, our community. This week, I am joined by Carly McInnes, who is the Clinical Director, and Tammy Meehan, who is the Education Director for One Red Tree. Thank you for joining me, Carly and Tammy. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So tell us about One Red Tree. How did it all uh, all get started? It's a, it's a long story, isn't it? You know, Tammy and I went to primary school and high school together. We were two years apart. So the, the journey probably began there with, you know, growing up in Ararat. We went to Ararat West Primary School, then to AC, and then we both went off to university and, you know, travelling around, working in different places and things like that. We both probably had exposure to some pretty serious mental health stuff quite early on. And as you would know, We've had a lot of suicide in our community. I was 18 when um, my first um, friend took his life. And from there, from, for me, um, you know, I've, I've studied psychology. I spent um, seven years at uni, the first stint, and then went off to um, travel and work. And we met up when Tammy and I both came back here. Um, I was initially only coming back for a short period of time but managed to meet my husband and have two children here and I'm still here, what's that, oh, yeah, 17 years later. Um, but Tammy and I met probably uh, through the local music scene because my husband's a musician, Tammy's a musician, and we met and we started talking and we instantly, um, oh, I think Jason, who's Tammy's husband, mm. I went to, we, were, we were in the same class at school, we were friends at school, and he said, oh, you've got to go and... Yeah. Catch up with Carly. He said, you have to talk to Carly because I'm always going on about things. He's like, you have to talk to Carly. She's just like you. Um, so, I don't know, we ran into each other at an event somewhere and I talked to Carly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, and um, it's sort of where we first connected again after all that time. I knew who Carly was, obviously, but it had been a long time and she was two years ahead of me, so we weren't really close at school. But, yeah, we've been able to gel our minds um had lots of ideas and they're very similar so that's sort of where it started yeah I was blown away Tammy started telling me about some of the stuff that she'd been doing 
overseas and her interest that went above and beyond, you know, teaching in a classroom. She was really interested around the mental health staff and around learning and engaging um, young people in education and parents and community and working across that whole level. And that's probably where we came together. And we started doing some presentations together we put to started formulating our own it's ideas and and did some of that which went really well but then you know we had kids and life was happening and we just kind of went away and then COVID happened mm-hmm. and yeah the impact on the community and on the on the schools and on everything just got us talking be it all by um by video conference even though we live around the corner from each other um it just really sparked us and I had also met Another local person who was um, through Auskick, where my son was doing Auskick out at um, Moyston, and Doug McKinnon was out there, and we met him. And you know, and this was a really integral part to to how One Tree has formed because Doug was studying psychology, and I said, "Oh, anytime if you want to do a placement when you're doing your masters, come back and see me." And then, you know, time ticked on and he was and he was looking for a placement and Tammy and I were desperate to do something different to bring some resources. So I was at breaking point. I was getting more more referrals. I'd had my books closed, but, you know, doctors were still trying to refer. People were still leaving messages on my phone. It, it's, it was desperate. There was no resources in our area. So Tammy and I put together this pilot program. Yeah, so I was based at Store 502 at the time. Uh, we were the same. We were overwhelmed. We had so many students needing help and we just couldn't get the help we needed. And then Carly suggested, well, what about Doug? He could come and do a pilot program. So we thought, oh, how could that How could that work? And so we formulated a plan and we placed Doug at Soul 502 for um, 24 weeks, roughly, wasn't yeah. it? About a semester. He was there when COVID was coming in and out, in and out. Um, so he was able to work within the school for two days a week for six months and work with students in need. And that was just so successful that we thought, well, there's, there might be something in this so we can help more schools um, because, you know, I was part of the principal network and all of the schools were saying the same thing, we desperately need help. So Carly and I thought well, One Red Tree, which we didn't name for quite a while, but we thought that idea could be a way to help out our schools get the help they needed. And it's got some amazing skills um, with, she could have been a graphic designer, I think, in another life. And so we kind of, we thought we need to put all this together. We need to get a prospectus and put all this together and then maybe just kind of have a meeting with some people in the community. They're saying they're interested and that was where it just really took off, wasn't it? Yeah. So, Tammy, how, how big was the change that you saw in your role in the education department with the young people, you know, that you're talking about, with their mental health pre-COVID to, uh, to during COVID and even probably now into, I'm going to tentatively say post-COVID? Yeah. Um, well, fingers I- crossed. I saw, I I have to say, I've seen changes in children, families and school staff and school leaders. They've all, there's all the, everyone's had an impact. So um, we have students um, who previously came to school, got out of the car, grabbed their bag, came inside, um, ready for another school day every day for years. You know, that was their whole school life. And then once COVID came back, so there was a huge increase in students needing help 
as far as even just meeting them at the gate or meeting them at their car, bringing them in every day because they had lacked that confidence and that anxiety had increased dramatically in those students. And they were students that you never have noticed any anxiety prior to that. So that was that became a huge part of our role. Um, you know, at my school, we were meeting them all at the gates every day. We had teachers were out there before school started every morning so we could meet them at the gates. We had a list of students that we needed to you know, help out in particular, but we were there because we were seeing stuff happening all the time with an increase. We saw, um, I, I was part of a principal network and I saw principals going through a lot of stress as well. And, um, you know, if your principal's in stress, then that has a knock-on effect to the rest of the school as well. So, you know, and they were trying to be really strong for their communities because they were the backbone for the community and, um, you know, that, that a lot of community members looked at the principal as a how can we help me sort of what can we do sort of thing. So there's a lot of pressure there. So I just saw lots of things happening and we found an extreme lack of help basically. Um, yeah, we just couldn't reach out to any help on the ground because all the schools were facing the same issues and um, it was really hard to get hold of professionals to help out. So um, I had lots of conversations with Carly and Carly was telling me about how overwhelmed she was feeling as well. Yeah, we, that's that's why we just thought we needed to do something because it's not healthy for anybody to feel like that. And And workforce obviously was number one priority. If we could come up with a way to encourage workforce to our community, then that's going to help us provide the intervention needed. Yeah, and unfortunately across Allied Health, as you guys I'm sure are well aware, it's really hard in regional areas to find services, be it psychological services, be it even stuff like speech therapists, occupational therapists. They're as rare as hen's teeth, the further away from Melbourne you get. Carly, you said that you had to close your books because you were too busy. How much did the demand spike for you in your role as a um, as a, a a clinical uh, clinical psychiatrist, clinical therapist? Clinical psychologist. Yeah. Look, the demand has always been there. Um, I had had my books closed pre-COVID. I have a special interest in anti- and postnatal work, so my books were always open um, for those referrals, but my, they were closed to other referrals before COVID. So the demand... There was not there was not enough um, workers to meet the demand before COVID, and COVID just sent it into a spiral. My mailbox on my um, my voicemail was just overwhelmed, and and that was overwhelming me too because I was constantly having to have conversations with people. I cannot see you, and um, I don't have anywhere to refer you to. That would so, be horrible. Yeah. That would have been really hard for you as well. It yeah. was heartbreaking, and while struggling with COVID ourselves because no one is immune for it. I've got two young primary school aged children. Um, I had one starting prep, um, you know, trying to homeschool as well as work full time and do all of this. The pressure was enormous. And like you said, the, the skill shortage goes across the allied health field. And I don't feel like we have had a solution or any kind of a plan that has met our community's needs. Um, I've been working in private practice for 14 years here and in that that time we, we haven't had any, um, you know, many, 
none in Ararat, but um, one in Ararat, come in um, a psychologist that I supervised through their um, their clinical registrar. But that was because I put that time in. We haven't had a plan of how to get people here. And we just went, we can't wait for the government to come up with a plan on how they're going to do this. We need to do something ourselves. And we need to do something that suits our community, something that comes from the need that we are hearing. And Tammy and I have worked for so many years here. If we don't know what the need is on the ground, then, um, you know, we don't need to do a, um, a research thing on, on what is the need. We know it. We feel it in our hearts because we see it. And, yeah, we just we wanted to come up with a long-term plan of how do we attract and keep people here. And so One Red Tree is really based, it's based in a relational model that works from how do we get our young people who are going to AC, how do we give them a pathway to be supported, to go to university, to study psychology, to then come back and do their placement here, do a registrar system here and have a a career pathway here in the country. And that's what we're trying to create from the very beginning and we're hoping we've got an idea about having a community-funded scholarship And we're working with Federation University to have a designated place in their clinical master's program, which is a really big deal to get that, Um, but to have the scholarship funded by our community. So keep your ears open because we will have hopefully a really exciting fundraising um, venture happening this year to start to create that scholarship. So looking at it from a grassroots perspective, really, um, yeah, people who are studying young people in our community who then we can support and then our whole model that we've got with the students coming up here is about providing a high level of support. So they're getting the clinical supervision for me but also the support from Tammy as well and working in the schools. I've just been out in the schools this morning with two of our um, provisional psychologists and talking to them about the things that they can do that they often don't get a chance to do in other placements about the reflection, the time that they can take to do an assessment, really putting in this learning model around it and and high level of support as well with, and coming back to Doug, who I mentioned before, he'll be starting with us soon in our clinical registrar program. So psychologists do six years of study to be a, a psychologist and then to be a clinical psychologist, you have to have done a clinical master's and then do two years of supervision before you're registered as a clinical psychologist. So we've tried to create something that's really attractive and supportive for those graduates to come up here and do their registrar program with us, to get an experience that they won't get in the city. We can do something unique in a, in a small country town. We can give them access to different opportunities, a broader range of therapeutic experiences that you just couldn't, a model that you couldn't set up in the city. And through our community connections, which we are currently developing, you know, they could do, they could do a specialty in an area that they're really interested in. So we can cater to their, their interests and hopefully engage them for longer as well. You know, and they could stay in our app for, for two years. So we have a, um, we'll have the capacity for six registrars to operate out of our building that we have now by mid year. So that'll be six qualified psychologists who will gain supervision from Carly. They'll also be working with members of the community for um, 
intervention and therapies and reaching out to other community areas. So that's pretty huge where we're at. Alongside, we're hoping having 10 provisional psychologists in our schools in the Ararat store region um, in the second half of this year, which is just phenomenal given we have had nothing to then to, to be looking towards doing this. And the response from the community, and we should also mention too, our premises, the building that we're in um, has been provided by the um, Ararat Rural City Council. So that was a huge leg up. We're probably a year ahead of where we were going to be because of the support they've provided us. That's fantastic. And I, I love the sound of everything you've just said, especially, you know, as we talked about trying to get people to come and work in regional areas. I love the pathway idea for, for young people in this region to be able to work with you guys while they're still at high school, go on to university, study, maybe, you know, do some stuff with FedU, come back to their local areas and, and help their local community. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, we might take a very short break, Carly and Tammy, and then we'll be back very soon to talk a bit more about One Red Tree and all the exciting stuff you guys are doing. The Mineral Name Podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western Victoria, servicing the following local government areas. The Northern Grampian Shire, Arrat Rural City, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Gariambiak Shire, Central Goldfield Shire, Southern Grampian Shire and Bulloke Shire Council regions. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, homelessness support, gamblers help, community mental health support, and much, much more. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday, business hours, 53587400, or you can visit us in one of our main offices in Stall, Horsham, and Ararat. The Community is a Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health, for you, your family, and of course, for our community. Welcome back. I'm here with Carly McInnes and Tammy Meehan, who are the Clinical Director and Educational Directors from One Red Tree, which is based in our at. Tammy, you're obviously from an education background, and Carly mentioned about she's got primary school age kids. One of one of my kids um, is the same age as one of Carly's, and they, we'll, together. <laughs> they did go to kinder together um, and dance class together for a little while. One of the things for for those kids who are now in grade two is that they've yet to have a full term on site. From your your perspective, how do you think that's that affects them mentally and socially when they're you know hopefully when they're done with the lockdowns and, and done with the school closures. Do you think that, that may have put some of these kids a little bit behind socially from where the other kids are? Absolutely. You know, you think about it, when they're at primary school age or any age when they're students, like they're foundations for developing all those abilities to connect to other people and be able to, you know, talk with other people and socialise with other people and share your feelings and all those different things, just basically play with other children. That was really affected from what I saw when I was in school. So, you know, you had 
some students have found it really hard to reconnect with their friends. And, you know, I know parents were doing their best to try and connect, you know, online, but, you know, not all students had that capacity either. You know, some families tried really hard to stay connected so that they could still talk to their friends and everything online, but not every family had that capacity. And some students spent that whole COVID time totally disconnected from everything. They didn't engage in school either. So, you know, they were completely and utterly disconnected. So there have been lots of issues. You know, you've had a lot of anxiety, obviously, a lot of um, trying to get used to listening to other people's opinions and, you know, like those little niggles that sort of happen a lot between friendship groups, they seem to be amplified. You know, there's a lot of getting used to uh, uh, not so much bullying, but there were some children who found it really hard and they were physically aggressive with other students and they they were trying to get a bit of power back. And so there's a lot of work that had to be done within the schools that still needs to be done within the schools just to help children learn those social norms again because it really did take a hit. Um, I found a lot of the work that we were doing was restorative work where we would sit with the child and talk to them about what issues are happening and then how we could help sort that problem out, you know. So they needed to be really involved in that so they could learn. Yeah, there was definitely an impact there. As far as um, I think social was the biggest issue, we found when they came back to school, a lot of the students picked up and kept going the way they always had because they were so wrapped up in um, teachers and and schools tried really hard to, you know, just get them back into the classroom. Each, at the start of every year, a school will spend time doing relationship building and, you know, this is how this works and this is how that works just to get them all settled. You seem to have to do that every time they came back from COVID, which didn't happen usually in a normal year, but it did happen after every COVID because there was, you know, you were coming back to, well, this is how a school routine works and, you know, it takes a long time for that sort of stuff to kick back in, I suppose. So definitely an impact. Carly, which schools are you working with at the moment? We are working with Ararat Primary School, 800, and Ararat West Primary School, Conconjella Primary School, and Stall Primary School, 502. And what, what sort of stuff do you do when you go in and work in one of those schools? What do you do? do you, obviously, you'd liaise with the teachers who are, are dealing with some of those students, but for anyone listening who's who's thinking, uh, okay, I've got a student or a child who might be suffering from a you know a bit of anxiety after being home for most of the last two years, and they hear about your service and you're working in one of their schools, what would you go in and, and typically do with the kids? So we're working on multiple levels. The provisional psychologists, the schools have identified identified a number of children that the provisional psychologists are going to be working with on a one-to-one basis. So doing a family assessment and looking at what's the best support we can provide. Over the semester, each provisional psychologist will work with 10 individual children. They will also be working with one group of children, and this is all coming from the needs of the school. So our program is very new. We're looking at the ways that we we identify the kids, how the kids come to the program. The easiest way has been to start with the the leadership team identifying the children that they see that that have a need. 
We also are looking at, so yeah, working with a group of children and that'll be identified by the school. It might be a social skills group for grade fives, you know, something like that that's identified by the school. We're also going to provide a one-hour presentation to the teachers so a psychoeducation about some area of psychology. And we're also going to put on, hopefully face-to-face, depending on what happens on a day-to-day basis, a parent um, presentation as well. And one of the things that schools are saying, how do we get parents back into the schools? How do we re-engage? How do we look at those relationships that have really kind of, you know, some in some aspects fallen apart over the last two years? So we would like to put on a presentation with the provisional psychologist presenting and us supporting um, that gives parents an opportunity to come along and and talk about an issue um, related to mental health. Great idea. Tammy, can you tell us a little bit about where the name comes from? Where does One Red Tree come from? Well, look, it's it's like coming up with a band name. It's almost (laughs) impossible to think of a name. So it took us a long time (laughs) and we had so many ideas. Well, we're based in Ararat, so we wanted, so we reflected um, One Tree Hill, so One Tree um, in the name. Um, but there was also a book that Carly knew really well that just um, sat really, really nicely, and it's a picture book by Sean Tan, and it's called The Red Tree. So that book is about moving from despair through to hope. We thought we wanted to come up with a name that could include that red tree in there somehow, and so we've linked in with one red, um, one tree hill. And then the other part of, um, you know, when we had that hope story, hope for us means about doing things better together. So community for us is um, we want to do work with our community better together so that we can provide the service that they need. So, and obviously the tree has a lot of symbolism in a tree. You can talk all day about the symbolism of a tree. Um, but we think, yeah, all together we felt it combined to make a really name that fit us very well with what we're trying to achieve. It certainly sticks in your head, that's for sure. I'm terrible with names, but I quickly remembered one red tree. So well done. Carly, what age groups do you find you are mostly working with? So obviously you work with primary school age children when you're in the schools. Is it mostly with younger primary school age kids, like your your prep to twos, or is it your older four, five, six, or is it just across the board? It's across the board, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, the, the referrals are completely across the board. They're across the whole life spectrum. And in the last few years, I've worked Having young children myself in primary school, I have worked primarily with um, adolescents and older and, and, and adults to avoid the conflict of interest that comes up when you live and work in a small town. But, yeah, no, definitely just across the whole lifespan, the, the referrals have gone up. I don't think it's in one, one particular kind of an area because a two-year Two years in a developmental period, so between, you know, when children are growing and changing, the difference between a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, two years is a big time. Two years is not as much of, you know, it doesn't have an impact in the same way when you're an adult, but for these children who have missed such a significant period, a developmental period, we as psychologists are still trying to understand how that is going to impact, but are definitely across the whole lifespan. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You just see the difference in kids from, you know, with months, let alone years. So that development is a, is a huge thing. Tammy, where would you like to see One Red Tree 
going? How how far and wide would you, pardon the pun, would you like to see the roots spread for one mm-hmm. red tree? <laughs> um, look, we, we're focusing on the Ararat and stall communities at the moment, so we're working with stall schools, um, and we really, we really want to achieve a model that is truly community-grown, ground-up rather than top-down. We've got a, a constant flow of psychologists coming here, and we've also we 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 spent an induction day with our um, psychologists before they came here because we have really strong values um, at One Red Tree where we want relationships are the key to everything. Rural context is extremely important. We just want them to um, and be wrapped up in their support. So. So for us, we need to be really strong in encouraging that with every every psychologist who comes to One Red Tree. So, so our relational model is very different to other um, opportunities for psychologists to get their placements. Um, they usually go to their placement. They don't get that wraparound support that they'll get with us. You know, they won't get that community connections and all those sorts of things. So. It's a big, um, we're trying to bite off a lot, but we feel like our model is very strong. We're very supported by the university who is also, you know, integrating that model with their their learning as well. So, or you know, if we can get our app and our community and the model working extremely well, we could, hope, we're hoping we could be an inspiration to other communities, you know. They're like, look what our app did with the support of the council with the one red tree, with the local university, look what they were able to achieve and this is how we did it. You know, then hopefully that ripple effect could move out to other communities as well. And then also not just that, any of our um, students who come to placements here at Ararat or the registrars, if they, once, once they leave Ararat, if they take with them a part of the same values that they learnt with us and they see their profession a little differently than they may have if they just went to work in a private practice. You know, that they start that they'll want to collaborate with others, they'll want to connect and they'll see the value in doing that. There'll, there'll be a ripple effect in that too. So each person who comes through one red tree and they go works in another community, a little part of one red tree will go with them everywhere. And and I think this model could definitely be used with other allied health, how we use this with speech pathologists, with OTs, um, across that, across that spectrum to, yeah, diversify and amplify our workforce in, in rural areas. We know, yeah, that we haven't done that well in the past. Well, in the past, um, these professionals have been placed in places and they've been very isolated. It doesn't matter if it's an OT, a speech therapist, a psychologist, nurse. That, a nurse, that they become, if they're on placements and they're, or they've just graduated and they're out there doing the job for the first time, they're usually and often very isolated. So they burn out quickly. They, they stay maybe 12 months, maybe 18 months in a, in a rural community and they'll move back to Melbourne where they've got you know, a bigger group around them. So for us, it's all about wrapping a support network around them and making sure that they're included and they have a chance to network and collaborate. Yeah. And making them part, part of the community, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. if they feel part of the community, they're more inclined to stay and give back to the community. Yeah. yeah. And another part of what we want to do is we want to look after the people who are the carers in our community. So we want to look after our doctors, our nurses, our teachers, our principals, because those people have been carrying a huge load uh, over the last two years. 
you know, they've had to react quickly, supporting their teams, looking after people. Yeah, so we want to also be able to provide psychological services that support them, that give good supervision, that give alternatives, um, that give opportunities for face-to-face therapy spaces, not just always on a video conference screen. Well, that's great and it's opened up other opportunities, we want to provide a local solution, a local support. Yeah, nothing beats face-to-face, I don't think. But also having someone who's also, you know, living rurally, then, you know, they, they know that they, they get, they understand a bit better than somebody if they're talking yeah. video. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. We we face different challenges in regional areas than what people in in cities face. Um, and you know, that's not saying that one's better than the other. It's just it is what it is. It's different living in a city than what it is living in in the bush. So, um, and we want to bring that community aspect into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic, and it, it ties in well with what uh, Resilient Ararat and and things like that have been doing for the last couple of years too. In uh, oh. I did. I spoke to uh, Jane from uh, from the Len last year about Resilient Ararat, and that's been a great program too. Carly, for anyone looking to uh, to find out more about One Red Tree, what's the best way to do it? They can head on to our webpage that we've just got up and running, and there's a contact email on that webpage that they can contact us through. So that's www.oneredtreerc.org. And we're and also I'll- on Facebook. On Facebook, I'll put a link to both of those. And Twitter, yes. And Twitter, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I know, I know where I think Grampians Community Health follows you guys on Twitter. I'll put a link to uh, to your website and your Facebook page in our show notes as well. Carly and Tammy, it's been, like I said to you guys during the break, I could have spoken about this for, for hours. I find it it's fascinating. I think the work that you guys are doing and the plans you have for One Red Tree uh, is such a bonus for our community and it's such a wonderful thing to see local people really giving back to our local community. So best of luck. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a massive success and thank you for coming on the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you again to Tammy and Carly for coming on the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. I love the work that they're going to be doing with our our school kids, our next generation here in the Grampians region. And let's hope that it really kicks off and can take root in other parts of the state and the country because I think it's a fantastic thing to look out for our, our kids. And let's not forget that they have suffered greatly as well, as we all have over the last two years with the many COVID restrictions and lockdowns and they missed a lot of school as a as a father of, of a uh, of a young school student she missed quite a bit of school over the last two years which is not great for anyone anyway this has been the community is a middle name podcast uh, and it is brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you your family and our community we uh, operate right across Western Victoria so jump on our website gch.org.au to find out more information about our services and uh, perhaps volunteering or even if you're looking for employment. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health. We're on Instagram and Twitter as well, at GCH Grampians is their handle on there. So if you search for those, you'll, you'll find those on those various sites or, or even in Google. The uh, intro and outro music was done by our very own Andrew Parsons and that is an original composition 
specifically for this podcast, and we'll use that with his permission. So thank you, Andrew. I love the delicate chords you give us for this podcast. It's, it's brilliant. You can follow this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean, on iHeartRadio, on Audible, on Amazon, on Google Podcasts, uh, TuneIn Radio, anywhere good podcasts are found, essentially, you can find this one as well, which is really cool. So you can subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. If you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well, that does help people find us. And that uh, that would be, it'd be great to hear what you guys think of the, the show. Of course, this podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabwurrung people, and we'd like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging. That's been the show for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. My name is Gareth Olver. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week with another episode of Community is a Middle Name, brought to you by Grampy's Community Health for you, your family, and most important of all, above all else, for our community. Till then, so long. Mm-hmm.